Heads up, friends. The unofficial Shopify podcast is made by indie entrepreneurs for indie entrepreneurs and may contain material not suitable for all audiences, like swearing or economics. Listener discretion is advised. Don't get lost in the vast expanse of the internet. Try Ventoff SEO Manager instead, the Shopify app that store owners use to optimize their search engine results. Ventoff SEO Manager is your SEO toolkit. You'll be king of the hill, top of the heap, cream of the crop, so why settle for page 10? Simply put, SEO Manager allows you to change the way search engines see and list your store. Better search rankings means more customers, which means more money for you. Try Ventoff SEO today and get found. Just search SEO Manager in the Shopify App Store to get started. Welcome back, my friends. So I was thinking e-commerce success is governed by a simple formula. It's traffic times conversion times average order value will give you revenue for that period. And you can test this, like go back, do your last, you know, the first quarter of last year and then multiply it times four and then see how that compares to the actual numbers that came out for last year. But I don't know. It can't be that simple, right? Can it? If it is... Where and how do we get the first part of that? The traffic, the qualified traffic. Like I could send endless traffic to your website all day. None of it will convert. I can get it for pennies on the dollar from Fiverr, right? I need qualified traffic. There's that magic keyword in there. Or even if it isn't that simple, what are we missing? Oh, I know. Retention, customer retention. What's your repeat customer rate? I can't just keep I can't be a vending machine and just constantly acquiring new customers and then having them disappear. I need those customers to come back. Joining me today to discuss it is Scott Cunningham, founder of Socialite, an award-winning Shopify partner agency that has helped hundreds of Shopify stores scale past seven and eight figures. His team has managed millions in digital ad spend for their clients and driven 20 to 40% of all sales through email marketing as Platinum Clavio Masters. He's also... We're not done here. He's also a co-founder at Merchant Mastery, a best-selling program on Thinkific, helping early-stage Shopify stores reach their first 100K a month in sales. With over 20 hosted Shopify meetings across North America and teaching experience at the University of Alberta, we're excited to hear from Scott on his e-commerce strategies and his time management strategies. How does this man have time to get anything done? I can't believe it. So... I'm your host, Kurt Elster. Check nasty. And this is the unofficial Shopify podcast. Scott, welcome. How you doing? All right. Great intro there, Kurt. Thanks for having me out here today. I am so thrilled you're here. I want to open with a question I've heard a lot. I have my opinion. True or false? Facebook ads? No go. They no longer work for e-commerce businesses. Zuck is too busy with VR headsets. Kurt, are you trying to scare me away from the podcast as we're just getting started here? <laughs> I don't know the answer. <laughs> All right. This, this is one of those things I feel a little bit traumatized about because I can't tell you how many times entrepreneurs come to tell me. They're like, Scott, something's changed. Something's changed in the world. Facebook no longer works for my business. And I hear this all the time. I hear it from all angles. I hear it from dozens, if not even hundreds of entrepreneurs telling me, Scott, Facebook no longer works. So then what do they do? They go and chase down another channel. So they'll be like, Scott, Facebook no longer works. I'm going to go and try TikTok. 
TikTok no longer works. I'm going to try YouTube. YouTube's not working. I'm going to try Pinterest. And it becomes this like chasing the channel hamster wheel process that kind of never gets you anywhere. I like that phrase, chasing the channel. You know, you just gave a pretty good introduction into me. We do manage a lot of ad spend. So I would know, as you would know, as a guy who works in the e-commerce space, acquisition costs are going up. So it is getting a lot more expensive to advertise. I think back in like 2016, 2017, you could be like kind of okay at marketing. You could put some ads out there. You could reach a ton of people and you could get some sales. Like you didn't have to be that good. But as the acquisition costs keep going up and it gets more competitive, I think the key is not that Facebook no longer works. It's that we no longer work the way we were working, right? So we got to do better. Aha. So what I'm hearing is, the popularity of these things, of Facebook as an ads platform, you know, like seven years ago, there were fewer players overall. And, but Facebook had a similar number of eyeballs and like use time as it does now, but with way fewer advertisers. And so that sounds like supply and demand to me, right? And then over time, things yeah, obviously, like, we're all making ads continuously on Facebook. We're, the people who are advertising are getting better at it. And then you have big players like Walmart, you know, BMW, who's like, hey, our, it's going to be 10 years for someone to consider then purchase a car so we could just waste money on Facebook ads kind of thing. And so I've got them in there. Now, suddenly, same number of eyeballs, but way more advertisers and more sophisticated advertisers. And so in this bidding system, I now have to spend way more to get the same results. That's what I'm hearing. Absolutely. More competitive, more money from the big corporations like the Walmarts. But one thing that was missing there is just also more regulations. Oh, tell me right? about that. So, you know, now there's the whole iOS privacy updates and there's algorithms and, you know, it was the Wild West back in, it was the Wild West back in, you know, 2012 to 2014, 2015, even 2016, 2017, was still pretty easy to get in front of a ton of people with a little effort. And, and key to that all is what you were highlighting there is like no competition. So you can kind of just be okay, get in front of thousands and thousands of people, get a bunch of traffic. Like I know at the start of this uh, show here, you were saying it's not just about getting traffic, it's about getting good traffic, right? But with a little bit of spend back in those days, you would get the good, the bad, and the ugly with, with a little bit of effort. Right. So I think nowadays, yeah, you're right. More regulations, more privacy issues, more iOS updates, more everything. It's just getting harder and harder to generate a sale. So should I still bother or should I look elsewhere? Because Facebook's not the only game in town anymore. Well, you know, I'm, I'm actually a marketer, right? I'm a good old fashioned marketer. This is what, you know, I've, I've worked in sales a lot too over the years. I've done lots of coaching. I've done entrepreneurship. But at the heart of it, I was just a I was just an in-house marketer back in the day. And I became like an accidental entrepreneur just because pe enough people were asking me for marketing uh, help or consultation, right? So I think when I think about the state of acquiring customers, I'm like, oh, it's kind of good news because it's not hopeless. It just means the playing field is getting a little bit more challenging and we got to do what? Do better at marketing, right? So we can't just kind of like launch some ads, cross our fingers, hope everything works out. We got to get back to the basics. And if we could get back to the basics and do well, we stand a good chance to not only survive, but thrive. If we're going back to basics on marketing, and I'm thinking back to business school, it starts with 
a positioning statement and maybe a customer persona. I couldn't tell you the last time I saw a customer persona for an e-commerce store or even a positioning statement for that matter. And these are like cornerstone fundamentals that they beat into you to get an MBA. I, I beat it into myself over the years a lot. You know, at Merchant Mastery, we do have like a mentorship school. We have 800 merchants in there. And <clears throat> this is the thing I harp on the most. Right. So we used to host like we have this like merchant mastery school where people come in, they get help with like optimizing their store to get ready for launching ads. They get get some email set up and then they launch some ads. And I noticed that people were kind of skipping over the avatar and the positioning part. So I like injected myself into our own coaching program. It was like, nope, I'm now hosting a call every Monday. That's all about perfecting your avatar because I noticed a lot of you are just skimming over this or not doing it. Right. Because a lot of people look at it and they're like, oh, avatar document. I've done that before. I'm not going to do that now. I know the answers, right? But it, there's a reason they they force us into you in business schools because this is the key to unlocking lower acquisition costs, retention, profitability, everything. It's all about captivating the right type of customers. Is there a process or approach for this? Like certainly this morning, uh, coincidentally, I was playing with ChatGPT like I do. Good, <laughs> good way to procrastinate and feel productive at the same time. And I, tr I played with it. I tried to have it write customer personas. I tried to have it do research. And of course, the issue with ChatGPT is it is incredibly convincing. Who knows if the result is accurate or not? And what is it really basing it on, right? So tell me the, like, that's the, the easy, cheap way out with mixed results. What's the right way? What is the Scott Cunningham approach here to customer personas? All right, Kurt. All right, Kurt. I'm going to give it to you because this is serious business. This is serious business. And we've hosted, like you said, 20 Shopify meetups all over North America. And this is what I always force people to answer. I say, okay, everybody, raise your hand if you've filled out a customer avatar before. And everyone's kind of like, oh, okay, yeah. Like, you know, I, I like have half up. <laughs> half like, up. All right, if I don't put my ha hand up, he's going to waterboard me. If I do put it up, then he's going to quiz me on this half-hearted customer avatar that's really just a description of myself. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a trap. <laughs> and then they say, and then I say, okay, well, raise your, keep your hand raised if you've actually put it to use, if you've actually put the avatar document to use. And it's even fewer hands that remain, right? But the key is, I like whenever I start a campaign, we run a lot of our own ads for our own businesses, right? And I would never create an ad or I would never ha like have a team member create an ad without using the avatar, right? So we have this like 41-point questionnaire that we go through to create the customer profile. And it has things like, how do they spend their weekends? What do they do for fun? What websites do they go to for information? What are their fears? What are their wants? What keeps them up at night? Like we have like all these questions, but there's one part of this avatar profile that I use most often. And it's a simple before and after grid. So it's literally like your customer's in this miserable state right now. Your product is a vehicle to get them to this aspirational state. So what was life like before they use your product? And what is life like after? And it's things like, what did they have before? How did they feel? What was their average day like? What was their status? And what was like the worst case scenario if they never use your product? compared to, hey, now I use the product and I've transformed. Now I have all these amazing things and I feel so empowered and I, my average day is so amazing and my status is elevated. And now what is the greatest outcome that a customer could receive from using the product? I see the value in that. Where does, how do I inform it? Where do I get those answers? 
that's a good question. And the reason it's important, so I'm going to go, I'm going to answer that, but I just want to highlight one thing. The reason it's important, and I could go on a tangent on this for a long time, but just a quick note is that a lot of marketers, you know, when people are like not doing good marketing, this is going to be one of the topics today, good marketing versus not good marketing, right? When people are doing not good marketing, they talk about their products as if they're the greatest things that have ever graced this planet. Right. So they're like, oh, you got to fi find our product. We're so amazing. We're so awesome. We do all these things. But the customer doesn't know the benefit yet. So they don't know if it's for them. Right. So we want to really read that customer's mind and like speak to their nuances. And the more that we can do that, the more we win their attention. But the best way to do it, like, obviously, I have an agency that works with most often Shopify stores doing like a million plus a year. And then we have Merchant Mastery, the school, where some merchants are doing like $1,000 a month when we meet them. So very wide spectrum. So it's gonna, the answer is going to be different based on where you're at. If you're just getting started, sometimes it's speculative, right? Sometimes you are the avatar. Yeah, Dave, before you've made that sale, I, yeah, I, I made that joke derisively. But the reality is, I mean, that's the truth. When you're first starting out, that's where it has to start. But then over time, it's got to evolve, right? Totally. So, because you get more data and the best kind of marketing is driven by data, right? So if you're just getting started, it's more like, you know, I'll tell this to a business. I'll say, okay, you're just getting started. The first thing I'll ask, do you have any reviews? Okay. Because if you have a handful of reviews, we're going to go sift through them and we're going to find those hyper-engaged responses and find the ones where people were just like pouring their heart out about how the product changed their life. If you don't have those, go look at a similar competitor who sells, sells a very similar product and see what the customer was loving most about their product that is similar to yours. So we could do a little bit of research looking at like reviews. And if we don't have those, you know, my favorite thing, my favorite thing, if I ever meet a merchant and they tell me that they sell face to face <laughs> to customers, I'm like, I want to like put them on my shoulders and like march around <laughs> a parade. You know, because, and the, yeah. in <laughs> interviews with because we're on, you know, episode like 500 or something at this point. Um, that's a, a common thing when I talk to people, the ones who are early on and sell physically in person, they're like, you know, I've got a table at some kind, and it's always an event. It's like, you know, I go to, we go to drift events, you know, drag races, high school football game, whatever it is, wherever you could put a darn table out and sell your wares, like old school merchant style, those people always have the best understanding of their customers because they've talked to them face to face in this like ideal scenario. It is so easy a thing to dismiss and yet so powerful. Even if it's like, I'm going to rent a table at a flea market, do it once for the experience. It's, it's quite enlightening. Okay, Kurt, I want to put you on my shoulders and march around a parade right now. Cause I feel like you and I are two peas in a pod on this topic here. <laughs> Cause it's like, you, there's, there's no, like, you're, you're spoiling yourself. You're spoiling yourself and your future marketing efforts by getting out there and talking to your customer, presenting your products, presenting your offer, and just gauging the response. Like, I would tell anybody if, you know, if you're just getting started or maybe you're like been around for a little bit longer, like, you don't want to run ads until you know that there's actually people out there that love you, <laughs> right? So it's a good exercise to get out there, talk to customers, and see if there's a few people who really resonate with what you're saying. Because if, if, you, if you find those people, you're going to gain their insights. You're going to build out your avatar based on what they're telling you. And then you're going to go find more customers just like them based on that avatar, right? And once you can 
it just it makes it so much easier to make decisions, create the content, have a message, a marketing message that lands when you have met real people and you could picture them. Oh my gosh, I've done that for the longest time. I'll when creating content, I will picture a specific person that I'm like, this is really who I'm writing to in this case. And it's often it's not the same person. Um, you know, it's generally going to be a, a Shopify merchant, uh, but it'll be different ones depending on the scenario. And like I'll, the initial content creation with this like newsletter post, a paragraph in a newsletter, I'm going to, there's a person I'm thinking about that I'm like, this is who I'm telling to and speaking to. Ah, now like it really, it just makes it easier to write as opposed to, you know, the traditional way of like the the void of a blank piece of paper and a megaphone, knock yourself out. They, that's intimidating. It's much easier to picture it one-to-one when you're creating really one-to-many. It really is. And I think like you'll also find out what kind of customers don't appreciate what you sell and things that they don't like. And you can kind of, you're always like with marketing, you're, you never stop the process of reiterating your messaging based on the constant feedback loop with your market. So even, even myself, like what I'll, like when we go to these Shopify meetups all across North America, my favorite thing is that I get to hang out with merchants, <laughs> right? And I get to learn about what, what their challenges are in the moment and, and those kinds of things. So if you're listening to this right now and you're advanced and you're already like scaling to the moon, hey, would it hurt you to go and set up a little pop-up shop to get some, some more insights that are going to improve your marketing? It's probably a good idea for everyone. So we've established if we're struggling with our our digital ads, and we don't have a customer persona prepared, ah, we found a, a serious issue. Go back and put together that customer persona, and then once you have that, that's going to solidify in your mind who you're writing to, why, you know, what's driving them, why they're purchasing from you, what they need to hear, and now you could filter your content through that, whether it's like the existing ads, you know, go through your library, rework it and now we have a much clearer image of what we think should work before we spend the money on our ppc ads right absolutely and it's like if there's anything else you take away from this exercise like here's the other thing it's hard creating an avatar profile like it really is perfect customer profile avatar whatever you want to call it it's it's a like sometimes you're going to feel like you want to bang your head against the wall because you don't have the answers but just try like get some get some words out but specifically, I would say try that before and after exercise. Like think about what does the customer have before meeting you? How does it make them feel? How's their average day? What is their status? And then the worst case scenario. And I'll give you an example. Like I've worked with this one business for a long time. They're called Ocean Sports. They're located in Alberta, Canada, where I live. We've probably worked with them for like four or five years now. And they were primarily a brick and mortar store and not an ocean in sight. Right. So we're in Alberta in the prairies, no oceans nearby. So they were brick and mortar during like the lockdown and everything. That's when they were like, we got to ramp up our e-commerce. And that's when we really started like helping them sell across Canada. But one of their avatars is like, there's lots of avatars that they have. They sell lots of lake gear. So if you think about that, they could have like professional wakeboarder, beach bum, like a newbie to sports, or they have like the lake dad. Right. And they love the lake dad. Why? Because the lake dad is the guy with the disposable income. He's buying all the gear for all the kids and the family at the lake, right? In a really quick version of his before and after grid, if you think about it, he's shopping for wakeboarding gear for his kids. So what does he have before shopping with Ocean Sports? 
He has broken down, rundown gear that nobody wants to use. How does that make him feel? Embarrassed and guilty that he has to give his kids that garbage. How does that impact his average day? Well, he's no longer at the lake making memories with his family. He's just working over the weekend, right? And what is his status? He used to be a cool guy at the lake. Now he's a reclusive neighbor, right? And what's the good versus evil on that? What's the worst case scenario if he never gets better wakeboard gear? His kids grow up on TikTok. Uh, <laughs> right this is it's such a great illustration because you started with like hey here's a place that sells you know boat accessories and that sounds very mundane and then once as soon as you said lake dad like all right I'm, i just turned 40 i got three kids i suspected i knew where this was going because now i even just applying that label i think that's important to those customer personas the label i could picture it and right away, I'm like, yeah, I see advertising geared toward me or my wife, and it's like, hey, you're going to make special core memories with your kids. That's code. That's code for your kids are going to think you're cool. You want your kids yeah. to think you're cool, right? <laughs> it's only going to be for a moment. You're going to spend a lot of money to do it, but it'll be worth it because for like an hour, your kids thought you were cool. And that's, that's the magic of those customer personas, isn't it? Absolutely. Like, and if, if you didn't build that, if you didn't go through that exercise that we just went through, you might've just been like, oh, I gotta, you gotta, I gotta force myself to write an ad about wakeboarding gear. So what am I going to talk about? I'm going to talk about the gear. Yep. I'm going to be like, we have this fiberglass material. It's safe. It's fun. It's looks good. It's multicolor, like all these features. Right. But if we think about the avatar first, the, the guy who is most likely to buy and spend the most, what, what kind of ad is going to resonate with him more? Is it going to be like, buy this new fiberglass wakeboard or get your kids off TikTok and hit the lake and create some memories? And according to Kurt, I think it sounds like you would resonate with the latter. Yes. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Just sit the, if it's like, well, you like spend this cash and you make family memories, cool guy. I'm like, oh, fine. Just here's the credit card number. Just take it. <sighs> I'm so tired of losing revenue. Are you tired of losing revenue to abandoned carts and lapsed audiences? Of course you are. Did you know that anonymous shoppers who visit your store on their phones can't receive abandoned cart emails from Shopify? Pop quiz. What do Warby Parker, Dr. Squatch, and BlendJet have in common? They all turn to retention.com to maximize their growth and reclaim lost revenue it's money falling from the sky with retention.com's reclaim solution you can leverage industry-leading identity resolution technology to increase your sms and email flow revenue by up to 10 times we i'm 10xing our list okay like 10x like i'm not even joking onboarding is quick and easy and implementation takes just hours not months Plus, Retention.com's flexible pricing is based purely on incremental performance, so you only pay for what you get. Don't miss out on this amazing opportunity to grow your Shopify store and reclaim lost revenue. Visit Retention.com to learn more and schedule your demo today. All right, I've got this customer avatar. I'm applying it to Facebook ads. How am I determining success, my, my total success here? What is the KPI we're looking at? Okay, so this is this is a key thing. You you said it the best. Like I I do feel like you and I are two peas in a pod. If there was a big pea pod, I would get in there and get cozy with you. 
that might there's probably a product somewhere giant okay. pea pods if somebody listening could find that send it over to us um but i like the, the key is like it's about the the reason i was saying two peas in a pod you said it it's about the customer and positioning so first we need to understand the customer and then we're going to position our products and our ads to resonate with that customer the most so we actually use this five part positioning formula we call this like a full offer stack and the first ingredient in the five part formula is the hook right and the hook is all about the customer and not about you right so when i'm thinking about this before and after grid and the customer avatar i use that exercise to create hooks like mostly i'm just doing that before and after exercise to pull out some awesome hooks right and, and what we're yeah give me an example yeah so an example of a hook is like get off snapchat this weekend and hit the lake and i the the magic of this is you have both agitated a pain for the customer profile is my darn kids spend too much time on social media and like that's what that statement has done it is either i recognize that pain from myself or others and now you've got my attention immediately or it doesn't land and I move past it. But you have now, like, it's a bit of active disqualification. So first half, get off Snapchat is the second half of the statement and hit the lake. Okay, and so now we, that is qualifying our target customers. It's like, it's gotta be someone who's interested in the lake. And you did it in very few words. That's the magic. Okay. It's a, it's a qualifier. It's basically saying, do you have this pain point and do you want this other thing? Agitate the pain, active qualification or disqualification. That's totally it. And I, this is a campaign I do not work on, but I see their ads every day and everybody listening probably has seen their ads every day. It's AG1, like the, the health drinks, right? I was just, I literally just before hopping on here today, I saw another one of their ads and I took a screenshot because I love their hooks, right? And their hook says, say goodbye to your daily pill routine. Oh, yeah, that's good. Right? And they literally, the, the, the ad that I just took a screenshot of, I sent it to our marketing team because I want to document this. <laughs> they literally had a before and after like a video. And in the before, the woman was like opening up all her pill bottles and taking like 20 different pills. And in the after, she was just having a sip of this nice green juice and then she left. And the other avatar was like sitting there still taking her pills, right? But it's basically saying without even seeing the creative, if you just read the hook, say goodbye to your pill routine. What does that do? Serves as a qualifier for anyone who's fed up taking their zincs and vitamin Ds and irons every morning, and then you forget a pill and you're, you know, it's kind of like a big pain in the butt. So anybody who is having issues with that daily pill routine, suddenly you got their attention. It's a qualifier. Okay. And so we've got, again, it's agitate the pain and it, it qualify. It's people who were taking supplements. It's like, all right, I need the people who are taking supplements and kind of annoyed about it. Like, it has become a chore, a necessary evil for them. And I'm going to give them, hey, this is a seemingly better alternative. It does sound attractive. It does sound better. Athletic greens, this creature, that seems more natural, legitimate than, you know, a variety of strange pills I got off Amazon. Totally, totally. And with, like, with the hook, it's important to remember here, with the hook, we didn't explain what we did. Like, we didn't explain how we solve that pain point. It's just a qualifier right? With, with the lake dad example, it's like, get your kids off TikTok and hit the lake. Okay. Like, I don't know what you do, but I'm interested, right? So with the hook, all we're trying to do is capture their attention and not capture the sale. We just want them to know that this message is for them 
and we help them with some miserable thing that they're going through right now. So we got our, our thumb stopper. Yeah. Okay. So number one hook, two through five. Five is profit, I assume. Yeah. Five. Well, five is it's it's going to be about the price for sure, right? But but the second ingredient is basically they're like okay, they they as soon as you win their attention with the hook, they become a detective. Your customer turns into Sherlock Holmes, and they're agitated, right? And they're like, okay, you won my attention. This better be worth it. And they're going to interrogate the heck out of you. So now it's a challenge. Yeah. Okay. Now it's like, I got your attention. I got to deliver. I got to deliver value now, right? So we, we have these four value attributes, we call them. And the first one is about function. And these are like the, this is like, <laughs> how does the product work and actually make my life better? Like the features and the benefits, right? So it's like, you know, say goodbye to your daily pill routine. We have a drink that you take every morning and it has 75 minerals and 75 nutrients that your body absorbs. So it's explaining literally how the product works and how it makes your life better. All right, right? So well, value yeah. is like, or that initial value is the, the, the like straight functional proposition of it. We're like going very quickly into something factual. Yeah, like, literally yeah factual this is like the features benefits function it's literally like what the product is what's the use case and how it works to make my life better okay so it's just like explaining your product and your value proposition and do we do those like the bolded style amazon descriptions is it a landing page so this is the key anyone who's listening who is feeling compelled to use this five-part formula what you want to do you just want to brainstorm lots of things Right. So right now we're just brainstorming. So okay. when we come up with hooks, we'll look at all those like before and after boxes and we're just going to come up with many hooks. Right. Like the lake example, we could have said, have the best summer with your kids this year. Right. That could have been a hook. There could have been like, or have the best summer at the lake. Maybe it's a little bit more of a qualifier, but there's lots of different hooks we could have come up with just through that little before and after exercise. And same thing with function attributes. We just want to list off like all the things. It's like, you know, with AG1, they could have said, we have 75 nutrients and minerals for your body. That's like the ingredients function. We could have done the use case function. You just put it into a cup of water every morning, you stir it up and it comes out green and it tastes good, right? So those are like two different function attributes. One is like, what are the ingredients and the benefits for the body? The second one is how do I use it, right? So we got to like brainstorm lots of different function. And what you're going to see later, like when we reveal how this formula comes together, there isn't, it's not like step one, step two, step three. Like sometimes these ingredients are in a hook that's overlaying the creative. Sometimes it's the intro to the body copy. There's no like right and wrong way to mingle up all the ingredients. But we want to include them all. Okay. And so this, all right, this is the easy, so far this is the easier part. Yeah, this whole thing is going to be simple. Very simple. I like simple. Once it's, well, yeah, when you break it down into, A, you're presenting is like, here's a standard operating procedure to do this. And then the individual steps in it are accessible and reasonable. It's when you're looking at the problem as a whole without those series of steps and without like context and experience that it becomes deceptively complex and easy to do wrong but like not wrong in a way where won't run wrong in a way where facebook will just spend your money yeah yeah and like i think i've it's therapeutic to do this exercise so like right now we don't want to be thinking about facebook ads manager and like setting up ads we're just in like the brainstorming zone right now 
All right. Right. So we're just like, we're just like getting it all out there. And it, it is actually like therapeutic for business owners. I've worked on this exercise with li- like hundreds of Shopify store owners and they'll be like, oh my goodness, Scott, I've had all these ideas, all these thoughts about my business before. And this exercise has allowed me to just document everything. How often does this process end in tears? <laughs> Maybe one in <laughs> one in 10. <laughs> I was going to say, if it's not like one in a hundred, you're, you're lying or we're not trying hard enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, you know, copywriting and thinking through this stuff could be tougher than it sounds uh, at times. And I think, but most of the time, probably easier than you think if you approach it in this systematic fashion. All right. So and, where, what step yeah. are we on? Where are we going from here? So we, we got the hook, right? So basically the, the hook is like, you got my attention with the hook. I'm interested. Like, that sounds like me. How does this work? Okay. I get it. We answered that with function. So the next thing they might ask is like, okay, but who sells this? Do I like them? Like, it's literally a likability. <laughs> Do they like the brand? So with this one, it's very much, we use brand attributes, right? And we want the customer to see themselves in your narrative, align with your values, believe in your mission, support your cause, right? And one of my, like a favorite example that we often use for brand attributes is like a founder story. Like I, I started this business to solve this problem in the world. And I climbed the highest mountains and swam the deepest oceans to solve this. And I failed 20 times along the way, but I got back up and I figured this out for you customer. Right. And they see themselves in that narrative. They're like, Oh, I've been trying to solve this too. So they're, they're seeing themselves in the narrative and they're aligning with the mission. How right? and it, truthy yeah. does my founder narrative have to be? <laughs> this is a very common question that comes up. It has to be truthy. But the key is, I don't think we all look at ourselves as like romantically as a marketer could. Like we, we could, we, not embellish, not embellish is the wrong word. We could romanticize the story in a way that most founders don't see them. Like, you know, I was talking to an incredible merchant who's the founder of a business that sells Dungeons and Dragons dice. She's just crushing it. She's so smart. But she's like, Scott, like she asked me the same question how truthful does my founder story have to be? And I'm like, well, what are you talking about? In a million years, I would have never start a business to sell Dungeons and Dragons dice. So there's gotta be something that led you there. She's like, oh, I just wanted to start a business. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> Why did you choose Dungeons and Dragons dice, right? And through my interviewing process with her, she was like, oh, well, I play Dungeons and Dragons and like, I'm super particular about the dice I use. And I'm like, well, You're a founder out solving a problem, right? And I have this really good example of this guy. He he's his name is Rodrigo. He sells craft vinegar. And he was like the smartest guy I've ever met. When I met him, I was like, he's going to do so exceptional. He's just getting I met him through like uh, Shopify for startups, like through that community. And he ended up working with us at Merchant Mastery. And he was like hitting the ground running so smart, doing all the everything we told him to do. He was doing. But then when he launched ads, he was, he had like a 0.58 return on ad spend. So he was spending like $1,200 generating 600. And we just did a little audit based on the five part formula that I'm kind of talking about now. And I, he was missing brand attributes. And, and we're like, Rodrigo, what's going on? What's, what's like the, the founder store? And he's like, ah, I don't really have one. Then we find out his craft vinegar, like he was, he was at a farmer's market. He couldn't find quality crafted vinegar. He could only find like the white kind that is fermented for two days. I know all this now because <laughs> I've become a vinegar expert through him. But then he's like, yeah. And then I, I was like, oh, okay, well, how do I make better vinegar? I wanted to solve this. 
So I, I was in France and I went to this library and I found this encyclopedia that taught me this 1800s method of fermenting vinegar for nine days. So then I consulted with Harvard University about creating this machine and I was able to build the machine and I built the facility and now I'm fermenting nine day vinegar and the taste is so much better. He couldn't, he couldn't find that, own, his, that story himself. It's yeah, it, and it's because when it's your own life, it seems just it seems obvious and mundane to you. Yeah, and then I, this happens all the time where I'll ask the founder, I'll be like, it, someone will apply to work with us, and of course it's like you know tell us about yourself, your story, or like they'll have the about us on their site, and it'll be it's like you know it's factual whatever kind of kind of soggy little limp, and the then I'll get them on the phone and I'll say hey you know, tell me about it, how'd you get here. And they'll tell you this incredible story like that. And then every single time I go, why is that not on your website? And they go, they, they're like, what? <laughs> it just hadn't occurred to them. Hadn't occurred. And they're just so in, in the like, you know, you're just kind of in your day-to-day -day life doing your thing. But it's like, let's pause for a second here and like identify what led you there. Because there's something, <laughs> there's something that you had an interest in solving this specific thing. And so I think that the, the story needs to be factual, but it's a good idea to probably bring in somebody else to pull the details out. Okay, so it's like our own, our own perspective, our own humility is working against us. And so it, it works better if like you explain it to someone else and so they can tell it in the third person. It's also weird to write about yourself in the third it, it person. Is. It is, and we actually had one of our team members help Rodrigo like retell the story. And it's a, we turned it into this beautiful ad with like a carousel images showing like the fermenting process, the encyclopedia image that he that he found in the book. And this ad, when we relaunched, it got a four return on ad spend within the first week. So Whoa. he was spending four hundred dollars, generated sixteen hundred. And like three weeks later, he I'm not even kidding you, emailed us and said, you know, I've run out of product and my staff want to quit. <laughs> right. And I'm, and I'm not like it's a good problem to have, but it's the key is just more. Like that's what we're trying to do with this five-part formula is we're just auditing. Are you including all the ingredients? Did you try everything? Because with these five ingredients, we're kind of like making an omelet. We're making an omelet and we don't know which omelet our customers love the most. So we're going to try and serve them green peppers with cheese and tomato one day. And then the next day we're going to try onion and mushroom and sausage, right? And it's just like putting these ingredients together in different ways. And then finally seeing, oh, everybody loves that one omelet. Right. And then we're like, okay, let's scale that omelet. Let's go big. <laughs> I want an omelet, but you know, <laughs> like with the price of eggs, hey, it's multiple <laughs> eggs for an omelet. What are you out of your mind? I'm going to need these Facebook ads to scale if we're making omelets here. We've done all right, brand attributes. And this is, I like the way you phrase this. This is where people decide if they like you, the brand, or not. And totally. likability. Yeah. You got to tell your story. Um, you got to have values in there if that's important to this process. Um, oftentimes, you know, that might be like sustainability or like, totally. you know, 10% of profit goes to X, that kind of thing. Um, and then we've got, and then that, that narrative driven story of like why you're doing this, how you ended up here. And you got to get out of your own head to do it. So yeah. from ignore that, like polite dinner party humility, that's not going to work. They're not going to help us out here. Um, where do we go from there? We got hook function, hook functionality or value, brand attributes. Yeah. And then with brand, I like that you brought up the sustainability thing. That's a quick, quickest path to likability. It's like, I only buy from sustainable brands. They are sustainable. Therefore, the likability is instant. 
in most cases, right? But it's also like another one way to think about it is like polarizing audiences. So you, you, could, you could be like really controversial and it's like, we only work with these people and everybody else can go away. That's a, that's a quick way to get a lot of like people not liking you, but a whole bunch of people like attracting a whole bunch of the right kind of people. Right? So those would the be- wheat from the chaff. It's active disqualification. Yeah. And like, honestly, we, we, we work with Canada's biggest lamb producer. And there's a lot of veg vegetarians that like heckle on their ads. <laughs> so we just decided Stop to- driving engagement for that brand. Yeah. yeah, And we just decided to own it. Like, we're just like, we're beef people or like, we're, you know, I guess, sorry, lamb, <laughs> not beef, but we're, we're meat people and here's meat recipes and we own it. And we, we respect your decision to be vegetarian, but we are meat people. And, and you just kind of like, you're not a butcher it. is what I'm getting here. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a butcher for sure. <laughs> Neither am I. But, but you know, it's just kind of like owning your audience. That's a brand attribute. And people who like to barbecue are going to be like, yeah, I, I like that they're, they're standing up for, for the, the meat crowd. Right. But brand attributes, it's about likability. So just to recap where we're at, it's the hook, got my attention, function, I get how it works, brand, love this company. Then the next thing they might ask is, okay, so far so good, but is this company legit? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm gonna give you my credit card. I, you, I better think you're legit. How do I determine that? That's, how my, that's one of my issues when I'm like, all right, I'm about to buy. Is my stuff actually gonna show up? We address this one with, what we call influence attributes, which are third-party endorsements, right? So these are, these are things like, you know, the best influence attributes are customer reviews, customer testimonials, user-generated content, but it's also gonna be things like industry endorsements, celebrity endorsements, influencer endorsements, and social proof, right? Like what publications were you featured in? What awards did you receive? What certifications do you have? We're looking for like the stamp of approval, stamp of approval from third parties. Struggling to get your Shopify store off the ground? Okay, man, let's turn it first. Get started faster with Zipify Pages. Zipify Pages is a one-of-a-kind landing page builder created by the founder of a $170 million Shopify store. Their impressive library of templates includes every page you need to launch a high-converting Shopify store more quickly and for a lot more profit. You could use it to customize your product pages, category pages, blog pages, even your homepage. So you could beat the competition and make a lot more sales. And since every template is tested on a $170 million Shopify store, you know they actually work. Plus, all pages are optimized for mobile, and built-in split testing helps you maximize your results. It's no wonder Zipify Pages is used by over 5,000 Shopify merchants. Go to zipify.com slash Kurt, that's Z-I-P-I-F-Y dot com slash K-U-R-T, to start your free trial today. And to get an unadvertised gift, email help and ask for the Tech Nasty bonus. Tech Nasty. I feel the need for me. I agree with all of those. I, who knows if it's true. I read a study saying that, you know, people were, as e-commerce became more dominant in our lives and people got more sophisticated with shopping online, they are more distrustful than previously of some of these endorsements. But even if they are more distrustful, I think they still work. I think they're still necessary. I, th I think it's like, this is the key to this offer stack formula is like, we want to be intentional with testing multiple ingredients. Here's the thing too, like you're probably like, whoa, Scott, every ad you write, <laughs> you're putting in these five ingredients. No, we don't. Sometimes it's like two ingredients, sometimes it's three, but we could look back and be like, ooh, these ads are terrible. 
like just like with the the craft vinegar example we were like he doesn't talk about brand ever like let's try that right so if we looked at somebody's ads and they were terrible we could be like oh they're not trying to influence at all right and I, i've seen influence be done in a really subtle way what like there's a brand that I, I obviously you and i are looking at all these e-commerce brands and admiring and we're infatuated with what everybody's doing but there's a company cotton right they're a big direct-to-consumer brand and they were like our best-selling items are finally back in stock or like our, our best-selling throw blanket is finally back in stock so that's a subtle use of influence because it's saying customers love this thing but it's also using the the last ingredient because it's using a little bit of like scarcity right i love yeah i love the like best sellers back in stock you know re, uh I think it, it is valuable and important to let products be notably unavailable. And then if you can bring them back because yeah. it creates that urgency and scarcity. And it, I think it, it adds legitimacy. It's like, well, those products didn't sell themselves out. It's, it's totally like a double, like we're going to get to the last ingredient in a sec, which is, but, but scarcity and urgency is part of like the last ingredient, but it, it's a double whammy. It's scarcity, urgency with influence. And I've seen a, like, there was another ad I was looking at. I'm just, that's all I do all day. I look at ads and, and, and audit and admire. But there's a brand, Ana Luisa. They sell jewelry. And I was looking at all the ads that they were running at once. And they had one that was like, the product, or 52 sold every day. The product that has sold out 52 times. Like it's, it's just leveraging influence in different kind of, in creative kind of ways. The, yeah, it's that implication of scarcity. But you're right. It's, yeah, sold out 52 times. That's a lot of sales. Totally, totally. And it's like, ooh, this thing's in demand. I better check it out. Right. We all want what everybody else wants. Yeah. Or that we can't have. And man, if you could combine those two things, whoo. Powerful, right? And we want what other people have endorsed. And that's the whole idea with influence. Humans are interesting and sometimes predictable. Yeah, and I, I, do, I do like caveat here. I believe in authenticity. I don't want to like, I don't want to like s manipulate with this formula. It's a powerful formula. With great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> and we want to be really genuine. We want to be authentic. We want to like be true to the attributes that we include. And that's all, that's what we're doing. We're, get, we're having the best chance of selling more by being authentic, but, in, but addressing all of these lines of questioning that we know customers are all asking. Like anybody listening to this right now, you're probably like, oh, I always ask those things when I'm shopping, right? So it's, it's pretty simple. That's what I like about it. Yeah, it is. It, it it seems reasonable and relatable. Once you laid it out, it's like, oh yeah, I go through that, or you know, I I recognize that that tactic, or I recognize that behavior in myself. Um, that a hundred percent, I'm on board with this approach. I absolutely, it would work. Yeah. The, the heck was I gonna say? Um, as far, but yeah, I brought up like we've talked about. Well, it has it has to be truthy. It has to be authentic. The, the basic rules I could duck my life with is, you know, is this activity Mel? Moral, ethical, legal. All right. If it passes those three, fabulous. Is it, and obviously, like, you know, truth falls under morality or ethics. If I live by those things, both in, in business and personal life, things should work out fairly well, I hope. Yeah. I like that. I wrote that one down. Yeah, it's easy to remember Mel. My wife's name is Mel, too, so I'll, t I'll tell her. Oh, she'll be thrilled that she's an acronym. <laughs> yeah, you bet. All right, so we got uh, number five, when your five-step formula. Right? So I, if you remember, 
the name of this formula, we call it the full offer stack. It's like the five ingredient offer stack, full offer stack, whatever you want to call it. But what we're trying to do is stack so much perceived value that when it comes to making the decision, it's a no brainer, right? Because they're like, ooh, you got my attention. I get how it works. I love the company. People are saying amazing things. The last question is, is my perceived value of this product in the moment greater than the price? Right? So this one is a pricing question. Did it, did I, is the perceived value high enough that it's a no-brainer to buy? But what we ultimately need is them to commit. So we don't want to leave it a chance. So to really tip the scale in our favor, we're going to include offers. And this is what we call transactional attributes. This is the last ingredient. And with offers, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't mean like just discounts. Like a discount is a type of offer, but it's not the only type of offer. And I, I've taught this formula to so many people and a lot of people are like, Scott, but I never discount. And you know, I would never do that. And I'm like, good, good. I'm not telling you to just discount your products away. But with offers, we could do things like discounts. We could do welcome offers. We could do like 10% off your first purchase. We could do free gift with purchase, or we could do some cool things. Like my favorite kind of offers are ones that increase the AOV. So like the average order value, things like bundles, tiered bundles, like buy two, oh, get tiered a third. Bundles, one of my favorites. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Love tiered bundles where it's like buy two, get a third for 50% off or buy two, get a third for free, right? Uh, threshold rewards, spend $150, unlock a free gift. Tiered free gift with purchase is what I call threshold rewards. Uh, yeah. And like I first saw that yeah. in Chubby's, Chubby Shorts. It would be like, look, no matter what, you're getting this, <laughs> this cocktail umbrella. And it's like, well, spend 50. Oh, you're going to get these sunglasses. Spend 100. You know, you're going to get this belt. Well, so, so it's like, love it. That introduces, you know, for them, it's like, you know, shirts like 60 bucks. And so that introduces may as well pricing. Like you want that threshold <laughs> to be yeah, may as well. 10, oh, man, 15% past where we expect like some of these typical carts to be. And then so that's yeah, so may as well pricing. It's like, well, if I just add that second thing, I get the free thing or it's like, then that'll get me to, and free shipping is one of these things that you'd want to price in like that. Yeah, free shipping too. And it's like, it's, it's like gamification, right? I love gamifying the shopping experience because it's fun and customers feel like they're winning when they continue to unlock these rewards. And, and it's like, yeah, sure, you're winning. We're all winning, <laughs> right? But I love that may as well. I may as well add it on this thing. I'm like, it's gamified experience. Right? And like, I know for me anyway, we, we, when we're shopping, we both know what's going on. And yet I appreciate that you are making the case, you're putting in the effort, and you're making it easier for me to part with my money. For me, it's a painful experience, right? And so that it, it's going to make it that much easier to spend. And what I love about, like, especially um, some of these tiered discounts that try and increase average order value by adding you know, free gifts or um, like unlocking discounts at higher levels, it makes the value go both ways, right? I'm getting something in return. You're get, the merchant is giving something up and I am in exchange for me making this purchase for me, especially as a new first time customer, you know, to make this because I'm taking a leap of faith. Here. Totally. Yeah. And like, you're right. It's another way of saying this is like buy more, save more. Right. So I'm happy that you save more if you buy more because acquisition costs are going up. I need my AOV to go up to offset those acquisition costs. Right. And then with the customer, totally, they're saving more when they buy more and they're just unlocking more goodness. Okay, so we've got our, our five steps here. Hook, our functional attributes, 
our brand attributes, we're going to tell the story of our brand and like what our values are to see if they like us. Oh, I hope they like us. Check yes or no <laughs> if you want to go out with me. And our, we need our third-party endorsements, our social proof, uh, which can include uh, industry stuff, anything that's just not us tooting our own horn. And then fifth, our value or our, our, our price, our proposition, which ideally is we're not straight discounting but we're trying to increase average order value. We are making some kind of offer beyond just, per will you buy yes or no? It could even be just to take away the risk, like money back guarantee, 30 day exchange, right? It could be scarcity and urgency, limited time, limited quantity, limited supply. It could be even just pricing justification, like Thursday boot company, right on every product page, honest pricing. It's like, hey, our competitors will sell the same kind of product for, at retail for like 600 bucks. We, we sell it for 200 because we're operationally efficient, but we never discount. It's always this price, right? So just to, just to recap, like some more ideas about the transactional attributes at the end there, but you got it. That's the five-part formula. And a good way to remember this, so it's your hook plus your four value attributes. And to remember the four value attributes, we have a good acronym. It's TBIF, Thank Buddha, It's Friday. Transactional brand influence and function. I like that. That's good. Um, all right, I want. We're coming to the end of our time together. Uh, let's do some some rapid fire questions here. Sounds great. The because you do it you do a ton with email, and we didn't really touch on email. One of the things I wonder about, and I get asked about, is what's the balance between promotional and non-promotional campaigns or content within an email. So it's like, here is content email that's not selling you anything. Here is, you know, back in stock, 50% off, new product launch. Like, what is there a, a rule of thumb you use for balancing this, this ratio here? Or am I overthinking it? No, I think this, so this is a massive takeaway right now that a lot of people overlook. This, this five-part formula that I just introduced you to, this offer stack formula, like, you know, you and I opened the conversation saying it's important to maximize customer lifetime value, right? So we just need to think. I always use the five-part formula. I use it for everything. I use it for home pages, landing pages, product pages, collection pages, ads, of course, but I also use it for email, right? And the key is when you, you still want to use hooks, you still want to, like, when, when we're speaking to a cold audience, we're trying to, like, they've never heard about us before. So we're just trying to serve, like, a qualifier that we can help them. But later on, we can still use other hooks based on where they're at with their journey with you. Like, for example, I just bought, I just bought some luggage from Monos. Monos, they're like a luggage company. I was like fascinated by all their marketing, worked well on me. And there was a good hook at the beginning that was like uh, something about, they actually had a statement that was like the Apple of suitcases. So that was a qualifier. I like Apple and I like innovation. So I was like, I got to go check this out. Right. And then I bought, and then before I even got the luggage, there was an email that's like, there was like tips for traveling with our luggage and how to take care of it. Right. And then there was a, um, another hook once I bought it, that was like, are you having issues packing still? Right. And they're just asking me all these like qualifying and they're like, we have these compression packs. So they're like, I, I think it's important to not like, we want to think about the avatar and we want to sell them their first product, but let's think about the second problem that we can solve for them, right? So I think when it comes to like, I hope this is like a long-winded answer to your question. When we write emails, I want to use that same offer stack formula, 
right? And I want to think about adding value. And we do that by showing the customer we understand them with our hooks. And so I bought the luggage because it fancy. <laughs> and then once it arrives, I discover, well, I still am just stuffing all my clothes loosely into it the same way I always did along with my shampoo. And then so an email shows up and is like, hey, dummy, you having problems packing? Check out compression sack and uh, packing cubes, which if you've not attempted this, like forget the fancy, get yourself a, just whatever Samsonite and then the packing cubes and the compression. Oh, now you're a pro. Totally get get the value in it. You're right. We like this. Your approach, the five step formula. Thank boot. It's Friday was laid out as like, well, this is for Facebook ads, but the reality is it's going to work for any kind of advertising, right? Any pitch for everything. It's, it's, it, I actually had somebody that I've mentored on this come to me and be like, Scott, that exercise. She's like, you just, you just created my whole social media calendar, right? Cause there's all these little topics that we could touch on. And I think as long as you brainstorm the hook plus the TBIF value attributes, you got like a plethora of content to work with and you can use it in email. And I think to answer your question, like we do, we do want to add a lot of value in our emails. It's kind of like the good old Gary V jab, 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 right hook. Like we're not just going to shove the discounts down people's throat all the time. We want to, we want to include brand attributes. We want to talk about our, how meticulous we are with the products we source. And we want to, you know, we want to just look at all those attributes and tell stories about each of them. Right. So I think that if you get that five part formula down, you can use it for email too. So you've got a lot of, um, a lot of content out there. You've got courses, training materials, plug something. What do we want to sell? What's the, give me a call to action here for people. Or do you have a special offer for us? Ooh, we love special offers. We, we could do it. We could do something cool. We could do an offer. But I think like if you're listening to this and you're, you've kind of been struggling to get past your current level of sales, we do have a mentorship system. It's like four levels that we go through. We have been kicking some butt. You're right. We were the top selling course on Thinkific last year in the e-commerce category, fourth overall. And just the reason is people are getting results. I just had to plug that little influence attribute. Oh, I see what you did there, buddy. <laughs> right? So it's, it's, I, I'm, I get in the habit of using these five ingredients all the time. But hey, honestly, if anybody's struggling, just go check out our website. I don't have like a, a strong pitch. Just merchantmastery.io. If you're looking for help, you can come find us there and we can see what we could do. And if you're like, hey, I heard about this through Kurt Elster's podcast, I'm going to do something cool. I don't even know what yet, but I will do something special. I, I love it. I'll take it. Uh, Scott, thank you so much. This is, I, I just love the practical, non-technical approach to this. It's like, oh, what are your tools? A pen and paper, man. Just start brainstorming, <laughs> right? You don't, I don't have to subscribe to anything. I don't have to buy something. You know, I, I don't need to go anywhere a pen and paper and you can sit down and start working through this um and that that's freeing and helpful i really this has been fabulous scott thank you so much yeah thanks so much kurt and i think like that's that's the key if you can get this offer stack right everything else gets easier ads get easier email gets easier you know so i appreciate kurt so like i actually learned a lot from you i was taking notes here too so thanks so much for having me here, here today Oh, I need different applause. Those, that crowd is too rowdy. Knock it off. The unofficial Shopify podcast is brought to you by Loop. Loop is a returns management platform that makes returns profitable and stress-free for you and your shoppers. Loop offers automated returns, exchanges, and store credit options to lower costs and increase revenue. You want to offer at-home pickup? 
or boxless drop-offs? Need a lower return cost or increase repeat purchases? How about all of the above? That's what's possible with Loop. Loop delivers customized returns management solutions for Shopify merchants of all sizes, like Studs, Princess Polly, Code Epoxy, to turn returns into returning customers. Find out why thousands of Shopify merchants choose Loop to manage their returns at loopreturns.com. That's loopreturns.com.